You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. We do want to welcome you uh, guys wherever you're worshiping from. Maybe you're in the venue with Pastor Kent Lyles and Russell Schultz. I think Ben Abusada is there uh, this weekend as well. Maybe you're in the cafe. Uh, I saw the Hildebrands out there, so shout out to Michael and Monica in the cafe. Maybe you're in the auditorium, or you're somewhere in this world online. Who knows what country in the world. Uh, We're so excited about you joining us, kicking off a brand new series. Here's the question for us today. Is it time for time with God? Is it time for time with God? Now, I want to begin by playing a sound for you. Just think in your mind, do you, what is this sound? What is this sound? Oh, yeah, baby. If you know this sound, you are old. If you don't know this sound, you are young. So this, by the way, for me, this is the sound of success in my career. Back when I worked, I was working in software at an engineering firm in Kansas City called Black & Veatch. This sound came from the days when printers looked like this. This is the way printers used to look like. I'm talking 70 pounds of love, baby. That dot matrix printer. Computers used to look like this when computers were real computers. Two floppy disks, not one. Two floppy disks. Put that 70-pound thing on your lap and try to use that. All right, so back in the day, in my former life, um, I was a software engineer. I worked for Black & Veatch, an engineering firm in Kansas City, I worked there for six years, and I was working on some project management software, and there was a partner at the company who was known to be a hard charger, in-your-face, intimidating. So I get a phone call, and I pick up the phone, and it's this guy, and he goes, hey, the, the, soft, the printing's down. Why is printing not working on our software? And I had no idea what to tell him. I'm looking at my screen. It looks right. I printed recently. I, I, I was at a loss for words. So I said, I, I don't know, is, is your printer on? And silence. And I finally hear, no, oh, don't tell anyone. Bang. And he, <laughs> he hung up the phone on me. But don't miss this. Okay, so here's what happened. There's an order of events that happened. His printer wasn't empowered. That was a fact. He got frustrated because his printer wasn't empowered. That's a fact. He started taking out that frustration on somebody else. That was me. That's a fact. And I became the prophet. The prophet of the power button. And I pointed out as the prophet of the power button... And we, we all do this, but we all have these moments where we're frustrated about something obvious, and a prophet of that world points out something obvious, happens to all of us. We're calling this series, by the way, Empowered. So here, this happens to me in my personal time with God. So here's two of the ways I grow my relationship with God these days. On the left, you're going to see a stripped-down version. On the left side of the picture, a stripped-down version of my prayer list. 
On the right side, you're going to see where I'm reading in the Bible. I'm using the YouVersion app. I'm reading with one of our three Bible reading plans we wrote right here called Own It 365. There's a website, ownit365.com. I'm reading the whole Bible plan this year. If you want to read with me, if you don't have a Bible reading plan, just go to timhowie.com and put your email in there. And every day I read, the next day you'll get what I'm reading. You can read along in the Bible with me. But here's the crazy thing. I will get away from this. I'll get really busy. You know how life gets. I'll get busy. Time will go. And I just, I'll get to that later. I'll get to that tomorrow. And all of a sudden I find myself, I'm the person who's not empowered. I'm the printer. And then I'm frustrated. And I can even take my frustration out of other people. And then the prophet of the power button comes along to me and says, Tim, it's the Holy Spirit sometimes. Sometimes other people you know, you used to do this. You did this worship practice before that helped you connect with God. Why did you stop? The power button got turned off when you stopped connecting with God. That, that's our new series. We're calling it Empowered. This week, we're going to look and see how the very same thing happened in the nation of Israel. They were supposed to be doing something in their worship world. They stopped for 14 years. They got frustrated And God sent the prophet of the power button, a man named Haggai, to them. And then over the next three weeks, as we talk about the need for it, next three weeks, we're going to actually unpack three areas of the Old Testament temple, the worship center where they connected with God. We're going to unpack different pieces of furniture in those three areas, but show you how each physical piece of furniture pictures a different worship practice. And we're going to even practice worshiping together Over the next three weeks, building this out in our lives, we're going to begin today in Haggai chapter 1. If you want to open your Bibles to Haggai chapter 1, our ushers have uh, Bibles, pens, message notes. You can raise your hand or get them online at visitgracechurch.com slash live or our, our Grace Church app. If you don't have this, if you didn't receive this last week, raise your hand. If you've not gotten the multi-site frequently asked questions document, multi-site for our brand new Olathe campus starting on 205 2017 Super Bowl Sunday next year. Please raise your hand. Every household needs one of these multi-site frequently asked questions. You can get that frequently asked questions at visitgracechurch.com slash Olathe. Visitgracechurch.com slash Olathe. Here's, here's my question for you. Is it time for time with God? Could it be that God has orchestrated in your life that God has been looking forward to today so much more than maybe even you have, that God has been orchestrating in your life, trying to get you here because he's been rubbing his hands every day when you wake up. Oh, today's the day. We are going to wake up and learn how to relate to me better. Could God be so psyched about today for you if we start a brand new journey of worshiping, adding in new worship practices with the invisible God who's always with us, who loves you and gave his son for you. Let's pray, and then we'll dive in. God, thank you for the chance to come and worship. I pray for people wherever they're worshiping. God, would you inspire them and challenge them and speak to them and open their spiritual eyes and spiritual ears and open their heart to the kind of promptings you want for their life. Help them, Lord. Help me. Help all of us. 
God, I pray you'd help us to open up this uh, book of Haggai, the third to last book in the Old Testament, and really see how what was going on physically with Israel is a picture of what's going on with us spiritually. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Haggai chapter 1. Let me set what's going on in the context here. Israel had been sent back to the promised land. Their first temple was destroyed. It was gone. And so God sent them back to the promised land to build the second temple. The second temple became the temple that Jesus worshipped in. That was the second temple that was actually destroyed later. But they're supposed to be rebuilding this physical temple. They built it for a couple of years. They got two pieces of furniture, an altar, and a floor, and that's it. And they stopped building their worship center, the place where people met to worship for 14 years. 14 years, no progress. They were worshiping exactly the same this year as they were 14 years ago with just an altar and just a floor. And Lord willing, it won't rain on us because we're all getting wet. So before we get into Haggai chapter 1, let me teach you a Bible principle that changed my life years ago, a Bible study principle. Everything physical in the Old Testament is a picture of something spiritual in the New Testament. This is life-changing. Everything physical, every physical item, seeds, wind, battles, kings, everything physical in the Old Testament is a picture of something spiritual in the New Testament. This is why when you read the Bible in the Old Testament, you're like, I don't care about this people group or this building. Why are the detailed specifications here? Why are there about seeds? Why are there about wind? Who cares if it's windy that day? I don't care. Everything physical was designed by God in the Old Testament to give you a teaching spiritually in the New Testament. You might want to grab a pen or grab your phone and take photos of the side screen in a moment. I'm going to give you some keys to understand the Bible. For example, physical seeds, what do they picture? Seeds equal the Bible. Every time you see a physical seed in Scripture, according to Matthew 13, you should think Bible. Why is that? Because both are the same. Physical seeds and the Bible go out from people. Physical seeds in the Bible bring new life. Physical seeds of the Bible have the power to reproduce. So you say, why is this detailed specification about seeds in the Old Testament? Think Bible. That's what it pictures. All right, how about this? Wind. Physical wind equals the Holy Spirit. That's John 3. Physical wind equals the Holy Spirit. You say, why is it Bible recorded it's a windy day? I don't care if it's a windy day. You should. God is showing how this is a picture of the Holy Spirit moving. Because both wind and the Holy Spirit are invisible and powerful. You can't see either one directly, but you can see the effect on this world. Wind equals the Holy Spirit. How about this one? Rocks. Rocks equal Jesus. Rocks equal Jesus. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 10. You see, when you have a bedrock, you can build a house on it. When you have Jesus as your floor, bedrock, you can build your life on Jesus. This brings you insight into other stories of the Bible. Think of the story of David and Goliath. Yeah, he took a rock out there. What hit Goliath in the head? Bam! A rock. That rock That pictures Jesus Christ. Kablam! He is your protection. When Moses hits the rock in anger, I'm so angry, he hits the rock. Well, it's not just a rock. 
That rock is a picture of Jesus Christ being struck for us at the cross. It opens up the Bible. So now when you see, why do I care about the Amalekites and Hittites and termites? I don't care about these nations right there. It's a joke. Obviously, termites are not in the Bible, like a nation. But you get it. They're just as... Every one pictures a different spiritual enemy. Every one. And every battle they face, every battle they face is a spiritual battle we face. So you can write this down for today's topic in Haggai. The temple equals you. The temple equals you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now this model... This model is a picture of the second temple that Jesus worshipped in. It's also a picture, by the way, of how in Haggai chapter 1, they hadn't built that yet. They only built a little altar and the floor, and they stopped working. But look at that temple again. Look at that picture, because that picture shows the place where people used to go to worship. It was a physical worship center. That's what the temple is. But what is your body? Your body is a portable worship center. And in the Old Testament, people used to go to the temple to worship God. In the New Testament, you take the temple, your body, the portable worship tender. You take the temple out to the world. Your body, every time you see temple in the Old Testament, why are there such detailed descriptions of how, I don't care how many cubits or feet that is, it's showing you the detail God cares about your worship life. You are the temple. It starts to open up the Bible. Anyway, in Haggai uh, chapter 1, here is where they'd stop. The temple looked like this in Haggai chapter 1. Notice on the lower left-hand side, you see a small altar with a fire. They had the altar only. That pictures something. And then on the right, you see a floor, a small floor. That pictures something. It's a picture of you and I. What if we only had the altar and the floor and not everything God wanted? That's what we find in Haggai chapter 1, verse 1. Look at Haggai chapter 1, verse 1. By the way, if you know somebody expecting a child and they're a baby boy, you get some strong boy names here in Haggai chapter 1, verse 1. All right, so Haggai sent to the two leaders of Israel, the political leader and the religious leader. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, The word of the Lord came by Haggai. There's the prophet of the power button being sent to Israel. Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel. There's your political leader. That's a great name for a boy. Zebub, his mom called him. Zebub. He's the political leader. Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua. There's your religious leader. He's the high priest. Joshua is the same name as Jesus. Joshua in Hebrew is Jesus in Greek, the same name. So his name is Jesus or Joshua, the high priest, the son of Jehozadak, sorry, great names. The high priest saying, now here's the message from Haggai to these two leaders. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, this people says, the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. So it had been 14 years. Israel had returned, started building the brand new temple. They made it as far. Remember, the temple pictures you. It pictures me. They made it as far as building a small altar and laying the floor, and it just stopped. And there's all this debate. Do we rebuild? Do we not? I don't think it's time. Do these reasons sound familiar? 
I don't have time to worship God. I've got career pressures. I've got tests in school. I don't have time to spend time with God. I'm not feeling like it. I mean, I feel like I'm trying to make money. It's just going right out. When my life frees up more, then I'll find great time with God. My life's too busy right now to build the temple, they say. It's a picture of us saying, my life's too busy to really build out new worship in my relationship with him. Remember, everything physical in the Old Testament is a picture of something spiritual in the New Testament. So here is where construction on the second temple, the temple of Jesus, stopped. They only had an altar and laid the foundation. You can write down where this moment happens. It's in Ezra chapter 5, verse 1. Write down Ezra 5, 1. This entire book of Haggai and Zechariah appears at the verse. Ezra 5, verse 1. Read Ezra this week and see the context of what's going on. Both of these pieces of worship furniture picture something. We should say, what do these picture? They picture us. The altar, if you're taking notes, equals the cross. The altar, see that arrow on the left side, that small altar? Every time you see an altar in the Bible where they're sacrificing something to God, every single time, that is a physical picture of what the cross of Jesus is to us. He was our sacrifice. So they had an altar. They had the cross, so to speak, in their life. They also had the floor. That's the foundation. What is the foundation? That is Jesus. The foundation pictures Jesus. That's 1 Corinthians 3. Don't miss this picture. This is a picture of people who are individual Christians who God intends them to have this great worship life, but they stop with the cross on the left, the altar, and with the floor, Jesus, and they go to church, they go away. They go to church, they go home. And pretty much all they know is, yeah, I got the cross, I got the floor. I don't know what else to do. I got the cross, got the floor. It's a great place to be. But God intends your life to look like this. Here's what God envisions. He wants your worship life to not just stay at, okay, I got the cross and the floor and that's it. I hope it doesn't rain. But we're going to build out three areas over the next three weeks. We're going to take the three areas of that temple, the temple of Jesus, the second temple, show you the worship areas, the pieces of furniture, And now each piece of furniture shows you something about how we can worship spiritually today. We're going to take you from the first picture to the second picture. Spiritually in your relationship with God. All right. So God sends Haggai. And we know the date is August of 520 BC. It's hot. It's August in Jerusalem. Hot. 520 BC. Look in verse 3. Here's the message. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. Saying, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? They're all debating. It's been 14 years, I know, but I think an altar and a floor is good enough for worship. Our lives are crazy. Our houses are crazy. Our schedule. I got this thing. I have that league going on, this test going on. And God says, we have time for those things. Is it time for you to take some time And build out your worship with me. In fact, I'm going to pause and just ask this question or make this comment. Put this in your notes. God desires our relationship with him to never stop growing. God desires our relationship with him to never stop growing. That's the question of Haggai, the prophet of the power button. Is the power on? Is your connection with God on? I don't have time for this. God says, shouldn't you keep building at another piece of furniture, another practice 
in your worship world, so to speak? Let me ask you a question. Let's, let's just test ourselves. We're never supposed to stop growing in our worship. So as of right now, at this moment in time, how close to God are you as of right now? How close to God are you? Okay, so by comparison, think back one year ago. How close were you to God one year ago? Do you sense some gains being made? Look right now. God says our lives should never stop growing. What ways do you personally worship God? Whether you're on your own with God or throughout your days, you're with other people, how do you worship God today, like right now, your practices? Think back a year. What ways did you worship God a year ago? In your private time with God, in your time throughout your day, you can worship God in both. Is there any growth, any any differences, any progress, a new piece of furniture, so to say, worship practice you got over the last year? God desires our relationship with him to never stop growing. You may may say this, Tim, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm that guy. I'm an altar and floor guy. I'm the guy who goes to church, goes home, goes to church, goes home. I have no idea what to do. That is a perfect spot to be. Don't feel bad. Don't kick yourself. Come the next three weeks. As we bring the wood and the plans and teach you what in the world you do to build worship beyond the cross and Jesus is the foundation, beyond the altar and the floor. All right, let's keep going then. Haggai 1.5. Haggai goes on to say this. He says, hey guys, you know that sense of frustration you have, Israel? Israel, you know you're frustrated with your career and your finances, your education and your life? That's not accidental, Haggai says, God allowed you to feel frustrated to draw you to him. Verse 5. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Think about how you worship. Think about what you're building in your life. You have, verse 6, you have sown much. It's a planting terminology. You're out there planting, building your career, your education, seeding grades into your world, seeding classes in your world, your career. You're making sales. You're closing deals. You have sown much, but you bring in little. Like your income is lower than you think it should be because you're working harder than you think. How in the world are you not making when you're working so hard? He goes on. Internally, you're kind of frustrated. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. That's not satisfying you. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. That's not satisfying you. He says your finances might not, might not be so great. Look at that. I love this phrasing. And he who earns wages, you ever feel like this? Earns wages to put into a bag with holes. <laughs> Yeah, this is exactly how you feel your financial situation is. Man, I'm putting wages in, in my bag, in my bag. What, what is going on here? I've got expenses. Every time I put more in there, more goes out. It's just, why am I existing to, do a, to be a living pass-through of dollars and expenses? He says, your finances may be frustrating to you. 
That's exactly the feeling. They had the feeling that partner had when he called me. He, his power was off, and he was frustrated with me, and he calls me. I was the prophet of the power button. Haggai, Israel is frustrated. They're frustrated with life. Haggai says, have you checked the power button? Have you checked your building project? Have you started building beyond just the cross and the floor? Verse 7. Haggai 1.7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Think about how God may want you to make some adjustments. He counsels them. Go up to the mountains. means leave Jerusalem. Bring wood. Cut down trees and bring wood physically back. And build the temple, that I may take pleasure in it. That's what God does with worship. He takes pleasure in our worship. Let me take pleasure in it and be glorified. He is lifted up in our worship, says the Lord. You looked for much, verse 9, but indeed it came to little. So you had a little bit of profit. And when you brought your profit home, I blew it away. Here God admits that he let extra expenses hit their world to blow away their profits like dust? Why would God do that to me? Because God cares much more about being close to you than he cares about you being comfortable. God cares so much about having this close connection with you. If he chooses you being comfortable in your own life or you being close to him, he'll choose close every day of the week. He goes on. He says, I blew it away. Why did I blow that away, says the Lord of hosts? Because of my house, my worship center, that has no progress. It lies in ruins. While every one of you runs to his own house. I mean, I got, I mean, you're working on careers and education and this league and that league. I mean, there's all these things going on. Verse 10, therefore the heavens above you withhold the dew. Yeah, I stopped the rain, God says. The earth withholds its fruit, for I called for a drought. I called for it. Hey, would you just shut down the rain a little bit? They're a bit too comfortable. It has been 14 years, so I'm very patient. It's not like I snapped after two weeks. It's been 14 years of no difference. 14 years, over a decade, decade and a half. It's time to turn off the water so they get frustrated, so they don't feel empowered, So they would look to me and be close. I care much more about you being close to me than comfortable in your life. I called for a drought, verse 11, on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine and oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, on all the labor of your hands. That brings us to our second thought. You can write your notes. God will use dissatisfaction and disappointment to draw us to him. God absolutely We'll use dissatisfaction and disappointment to draw us to him. In fact, let me just pause here and ask you the question. Is God using your dissatisfaction in life right now? There's an area of your life you are dissatisfied with. You're disappointed in. You're disappointed in that relationship. You're dissatisfied with your financial situation. You're disappointed in this, you know, internally, things that you think should be fun or should be fulfilling are not. They leave you empty at the end. And you're asking yourself, why? Like, why is this happening? I had a guy reach out a couple months ago in this very same situation. 
He had lived as an altar floor Christian for years. All he had was the cross and Jesus and really never built worship practices on it. And his, you know, his whole family knew he was going through the motions. But at least he's going through the motions, right? So he's bringing them there. And so he got to a point where his kids were now parroting some of his own beliefs that he was horrified to hear them say, say and express. He's dissatisfied with his own world. He doesn't like his job. He doesn't like this. He doesn't like that. And we had a conversation about maybe God is allowing you to be so frustrated with life because he loves you. And for a guy like him, it's the only way he'd be reached, the only way he'd wake up. And I, I gave him, I said, hey, use my prayer list example. Pray like I do. Use my Bible reading. Sign into timhowie.com. Put your email in there. Mine's not the perfect reading plan, but it's better than no plan, which you have, my friend. And three weeks later, he contacted me saying, my world has changed. I sense God. God's answering prayers now. And God's doing this. My own, I went back and had this conversation with my own kids saying this. I, the Bible's coming alive to me. Yeah. He started to go beyond just a typical go to church, go home, altar and floor kind of guy. Cross and Jesus is there kind of guy. It was building two pieces of furniture. That's it. He didn't have the, third, the second temple. He's had two pieces of furniture, no roof. But his worship is making progress. Is God using dissatisfaction and disappointment in your life to draw you to him? All right, how did the nation of Israel respond? Like God hopes we respond this week, Haggai 1 verse 12, the two political leaders, again, political and religious, then Zerubbabel, there's your political leader, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, there's your religious leader, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the presence of the Lord. Man, they responded and said yes to God. Yes, we'll do this. Yes, we'll do this. So they leave Jerusalem and take three weeks, 24 days. Three weeks, yeah, we're gonna spend three weeks. We are literally gonna be living Haggai 1 together. And they go out, they get wood, chop down wood, get tools. They come back three weeks later, and they've got the materials to build. They don't know what to build. They're going to get the plans when they arrive back. And God says to them, verse 13, Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. When you take a step of saying, God, I will start to build something more in my worship world. I will come back for the next three weeks. I'll unpack these three areas of the temple. I'll try to do some of these things. We're going to be practicing together. You know what God says to you? I am with you. I am so with you in this. I was looking forward to this. I set you up for this. I am so with you in this. And then verse 14. So the Lord, this is on day 24, 24 days after this message. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, there's your political leader, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, there's your religious leader, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and they worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. They heard hammers and nails and wood. They're building furniture for the temple. On the 24th day, just over three weeks, of the sixth month, in the second year of King Darius, it took them three weeks and they had a brand new start. It's going to take us three weeks to get a brand new start together. If you read the rest of Haggai in chapter 2, there's only two chapters, God gives him three more messages. 
In chapter two, he says, hey, don't give up. I will bless you. You are chosen by me. Don't give up. I will bless you. You are chosen by me. He sends his buddy, a younger version of him called Zechariah. He comes in October where Haggai came in August. If you want to study these books further, go to, I'll give you links on your message notes, but all you got to do is go to ownit365.com. We have resources for every book of the Bible, all 66 books. And we've made between 10 to 12 minute videos, crash courses on all 66 books of the Bible. Go this week and watch the 12-minute video on Haggai. Watch the 12-minute video on Ezra. There's written resources there. And you can go deeper in the book of Haggai, the prophet of the power button, Zechariah, his buddy, and Ezra when this book happens. You can go deeper. Here's the question for you. Is it time? You say, I don't have time for worship. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. I get it. Haggai gets it. Is it time... For you to have time with God. It's a time to be empowered. Here's how our relationship with God envisions for our relationship with him. This is the fully built out second temple. That's how God sees your worship someday. That's what God wants for you. For your, you are the, you're the temple. Your body's the worship center. Maybe, maybe you're like this next picture. Is it time to begin construction on your relationship? Because you're that guy. You're the altar and floor guy. You're, okay, I got the cross. I understand that. I got the floor. I don't know what else to do once I leave here. Perfect time. Come next three weeks. We're going to build out your worship world. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the chance to come together to be inspired by an Old Testament story with people dead and gone, stories that are history. But they're our story. Lord, we know that everything physical in the Old Testament starts to come to life for us when we see it's a picture of something spiritual for us and the new. And this temple that needs to be rebuilt is a picture of so many individuals. Their body is the temple. And how they relate to you is their worship. I pray for, for three groups. I pray for the group number one who has not received Jesus as Savior. I mean, they're here or they're online somewhere and they know they haven't received you. But it's time. It's time for them to surrender their heart and life to you. It's time for them to give their life to Jesus. I pray right now they would cry out to you and pray, dear Jesus, I want to lay a foundation of you in my life. You died at the cross. You rose again. I want to be part of your family. Would you lay Jesus as the foundation of my life? I receive you as Lord and Savior. I urge you to do that right now if you've not received him. Lord, I pray for a second group, a group of people who they have received Christ. They do have the altar and the floor, but they don't have much else. God, just inspire them, encourage them. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a great place to be. But to come back the next three weeks, God, inspire them to start learning how to worship throughout their day, how to worship in their time with you, to build out their temple, their worship life beyond just the altar and the floor. For those who do worship you on a regular basis, that you would equip them with new practices, continue adding to their temple, their worship life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.